Hey everyone, Tony and John bringing you King's Talk by Cap City Crown. It's the end of the regular season. It's over. John, how do you how do you how do you feel? No more Kings basketball until I guess summer league or no real basketball until October for the Kings. Of course, there's the playoffs going on right now that we can never seem to make. But how are you doing? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm well. Um, it's yeah, the playoffs almost feels like a completely different sports league that uh, the Kings aren't even in because they're never there. Doesn't even feel like the same sport sometimes. Uh, the intensity and all, um, but. You know, I guess at this point, there's probably reasons to think that uh, next year the Kings can change that. Uh, they got to do a lot of things right, obviously. They've got a head coaching surge. They've got to be able to uh, execute, as they have in the last couple of years, on another draft pick um, and add some pieces in free agency. And... Uh, you know, if they can do that first, then they've they've got uh, they're they're in a pretty pretty good position. You know, they got a good foundation with players, but um, you know, I think one of the things that's really promising is uh, that uh, uh, you know Monty McNair seems to have full control of the um, reins uh, for the most part, along with the assistant GM Wes Wilcox, but. Um, Jason Anderson wrote a piece for the Sacramento Bee that uh, came out uh, this past Sunday uh, on the day of the uh, last game of the season. And uh, <laughs> it was about, uh, you know, how the, the headline was mentioning um, how Vivek turned the Kings into the NBA's biggest losers because he spoke to a source that was in the front office um that was talking about the the horrible work environment the the horrible um way in which Rana Dive you know uh gets involved and obstructs operations and you know uh doesn't let anything move down a single direction or in a consistent manner that can maintain continuity uh stuff we always knew um you know, but it's good because every everybody should want to ridicule uh, Rana Dive because other than keeping the Kings here, um, he's been a horrible owner. Um, uh, there's really like not much argument against that. And um, but you know Anderson's piece, of course, you're going to probably go for that. But I, one of the things that probably made the piece more positive than it was critical, or at least equal parts, was that. He also spoke to an unnamed um, uh, minority owner who uh, said <laughs> that he's like looked people in the eye and he's been assured that McNair is not being hindered in any way by Rana Dive, which is great news. Um, there'd been speculation of that as well. Um, but, you know, that's that I think that was the big chunk from that's what I took away from it. Um, so, uh, you know. Uh, McNair, obviously, without Rana Dive, that's great. But, you know, listening to Monty McNair in his uh, press conference, you know, about uh, the end of the season uh, after, you know, letting go of Alvin Gentry, who I guess I don't know if we've heard about it yet, about a front office role, but we'll get something or they're talking about it, discussing some kind of role um, as of recording 
that hasn't happened. We have, or we haven't heard further about that. Um, but one of the things that I noticed in that press conference was that, you know, McNair as the guy at the top, essentially of, you know, as the general manager, um, you know, in his head coaching search, he wants it to be comprehensive. He's not looking for specific things beforehand. He doesn't have predetermined ideas of what he's looking for. He wants to talk to different guys. He wants to have an idea of what those candidates want to do with the team. Um, there's was some talk about players being involved in that. I don't know how much of that's a real thing. Um, but it sounds like McNair wants to be able to consider all options, have guys doing their specific jobs, and being confident and comfortable in doing what they're doing so that the organization can work as a bunch of, you know, parts, different working parts working in unison, um, where everybody is essentially, um, you know, able to do the thing and are absolutely good at what they're able to do because that's been one of the things with the Kings. You bring in good people, but they're never really able to operate. And then sometimes you bring in bad people, but they're only there because they're loyal to the ownership or to Ron Adive, I should say. Um, so there's a lot to look forward with uh, McNair, but uh, you know that press conference was great because he really laid that out, laying out why he really liked Sabonis. It wasn't just that he's a, an all-star; it's that he's a high-character guy. He wants to have you know a high-character organization. Um, the candidates uh, for head coaching, which we'll get into, I'm sure, um, uh, are all for the most part uh, you know high-energy guys, good player connection guys. And, um, you know, you can see the type of organization that he he wants to see. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that press conference was, was great. Um, I think uh, in allusion to maybe the piece, maybe to Rana Dive, one of my favorite questions from that, uh, not to ramble too much, um, <laughs> was uh, when uh, McNair got asked if he'd wish he'd known anything before he'd taken the job. Which, you know, the the Anderson piece, I think, kind of made a stir because um, in a certain way, like, it's not a big deal. I mean, like I said, it's not like he was really saying anything um, that we didn't already know or that we haven't already thought. It was just more confirmation. And it was a good assessment. It was needed because, you know, it, by all accounts, Ron Adive is not getting in the way of McNair, but he's still there. He still has a track record. You know, you have to, when you have a track record so recent, uh, where there's uh, recent negativity in it, um, you it, as Ron Adive knows as a businessman, quote unquote, um, you have to be able to prove that you're, you know, that you're not doing that same stuff, you know, over the same course of time. So it's going to take a moment for people to be able to actually trust Vivek. So I think that was a good piece, you know, and it I think it did cause a stir though because not a stir, I guess I shouldn't say a stir, but it was it was noticed because. On the last game of the season, or after the last game of the season, Harrison Barnes was uh, asked, you know, a question by Jason Anderson. You could kind of, and I don't really know. I, I'm not 100% sure if this had to do with that piece, because I know that some people probably felt disrespected, calling them like the NBA's biggest losers, trying to make it seem like the organization, there's people in the organization that don't want to win. So I understand why there would be kind of like disliking of the, the viewpoint or the angle um, from the players. Uh, especially Harrison Barnes, who along with Fox is only his head, are the only guys that have been there the longest. Um, uh, and so Barnes kind of had a visual, uh, a, a physical shift in demeanor when Anderson kind of started talking. 
And he was like, you know, even before he answered his question, he was like, wow, Jason, you know, I didn't think you'd come in today. Uh, like you've been busy or something to that effect. So like, you know, it, 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 it there was there, it was noticed, you know, it was, it was, it's kind of its own thing. But uh, McNair, to get back to that press conference, McNair got asked that question. Um, did he wish he'd, you know, known, did he wish he'd uh, known anything uh, about the job before he'd taken it? Almost as if they're referring to Ron Duve. And, you know, you're not going to expect the guy to say anything bad about his boss, but I thought it was just funny. He's just, well, you know, uh, the fans were pretty much even better than I thought. And it just kind of like did that. And then, you know, that question was over. Um, but it was, it was kind of interesting. But um, it, it also kind of like was another confirmation that, this organization is trying to move on and um, he's not trying to think about anything, you know, that Ron Adive did in the past because his job is to move this team forward. So, you know, I, I know nothing but props to McNair, um, but interesting week, you know, with uh, some of the stuff as the season came to a close. Uh, uh, believe it or not, you know, I'm going to pass it off to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. You made a lot of good points right there and, not an interesting, um, you know, stuff that happened during this week. Yeah, you know, props to McNair. Um, I really like McNair, and there, he hasn't given us a reason not to trust him yet. Um, it seems like Vivek has been hands-off with him so far, and it is nice to have that report from that minority owner saying that Vivek is staying out of, you know, his usual meddling. Um, and, yeah, it, it's so important. Vivek has to stay out of the front office business. We've seen him be involved way too much over the last nine years. And if this team really wants to succeed, he's going to have to take a step back and let the adults do their job, right? He hired a general manager to be a general manager. And it's going to be hard to be a general manager, as we've seen in the past with, you know, D'Alessandro and Devox, even though Devox was, you know, more of a puppet, if anything. Um, you know, it's hard when your owner, your boss, right? who doesn't really know what he's doing, who has no business being in a front office other than the fact that he's an owner, doesn't know what he's doing and he's telling you what to do. So, I mean, I trust McNair. And if McNair can get his, you know, he, if he can make moves and do what he can without Vivek breathing down his back or whispering in his ear, then I I, I think the Kings can do some good things this offseason hire a solid coach, which we need. We not just a solid coach. We need someone who's going to be here for more than two years. Right. Which is a solid coach, but you know, we, that the consistency consistency needs to start there. Um, because I mean, I think it was, we've had seven coaches since Vivek came here. It's insane. He's been here nine years and we've had seven coaches in that time span. I think a couple interims, but still, it's just too many couple premature firings with Malone and Jaeger. And you can even argue Carl. Um, so yeah, McNair, he's going to have a busy off season. He, the coach, he has to get a couple more pieces. He's going to have a draft pick this summer. Who's going to be a top 10, hopefully even higher and hopefully not lower than top 10, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we're going to get like the 15th pick somehow, but um no, yeah, and McNair, he's is a good press conference. Yeah, of course, of course, he's not going to say anything about bad about his boss. He 
handled the question as well as he could and kind of moved on with it. So with regards of to, you know, if he wish he knew anything before he came here, but I don't know, maybe, maybe since McNair came in here, he, Vivek has been hands off. I, I don't know. Um, I haven't really heard much really since McNair has come here. So hopefully that trend can continue. It's going to need to, because it, it's a really important off season. One of the biggest off seasons the Kings have had in a long time, especially with this head coach, you know, McNair, he gets to choose it. He came in with Walton, um, who obviously was Vlade's hire. So now he gets to choose his man. I liked how he said that he wants the head coaches to come to them, come to the Kings with like what they see their plan as the Kings aren't going to be like, Hey, like, this is what we want. They're going to listen to what the coaches have to offer and they're going to choose the best guy. So actually I like how they're using that approach. They're not, you know, sticking to this one, you know, plan and making people work into that plan. They're going to work around these people. And I think that's key to success. For sure. And I mean, McNair, Daryl Morey said that all the rocket success, a lot of a huge chunk of it is, um, has to be attributed to McNair. You know, he's well-respected for a reason. And, um, guy went to Princeton, I think. So, you know, yeah, Ivy league. (laughs) I guess that's, (laughs) I guess that's supposed to be pretty impressive. Um, I'm impressed. uh, Um, you know, those uh, coaching candidates, um, a few of, you know, a few names have been thrown around, um, you know, this, this week, um, you know, Terry Stotts, uh, Kenny Atkinson, uh, Steve Clifford, uh, Mike Brown, Mark Jackson a little bit, um, and then the Milwaukee assistants, Charles Lee and Darvin Ham, who I looked into and, you know, they're as Budenholzer uh, guys. They've been with them since Atlanta. Um, oh, like, okay. That's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We can talk more about that. And then and, I think also Mike D'Antoni. Oh, yeah. And also, and then of course, I think this is what you were going to say because you said it last week. And just let me let me stop you for a second. Uh, uh, the reports about Quinn Snyder. Um, kind of open up a possibility although people have speculated that um the two teams that are in play for him are san antonio and la but he doesn't want to talk about that he says it's disrespectful at this point i guess but um was that who you're gonna say no i was gonna say dan tony but you say san antonio's in play so is popovich retiring and then, I get. I but someone said to replace the reports have been saying San Antonio to replace Popovich. Um, oh, interesting. I didn't. I haven't heard anything. I and mean, unless Popovich is just going to be strictly a GM, which I, let, let's let's let's. I hadn't thought to to look at that. Um, I don't know. Fun fact: um, While you're looking this up, um, yeah, something I learned about Greg Popovich is that he. He's GM. He's a GM coach. But before he was a GM coach, he was just the GM. And he actually fired the coach, and he made himself head coach. And he's been head coach ever since. 
You know, well, you know? like I think he's, he's like one of my. He's it just like only makes you like the guy even more. You know, <laughs> like, like, like what a move. He's like nah. They just it's it's my turn. It's like you right. can't do it. I'm gonna do it myself. It's like the ultimate move, right? Yeah, I got some ideas. You know, I can do this. I mean, that's yeah. the confidence, man. You know, what the hell? Yeah. Um, uh, I think recently people are just unsure of what Popovich's future is. So the, the speculation about San Antonio is mostly about um, that kind of like potential scenario. Um, and then he's connected to LA only because he was an assistant for LA prior to becoming uh, head coach of Utah several years ago. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know. But I, you know, I think, I don't know. I, <laughs> I feel like if you're going to start talking about teams for him, I don't know how you don't throw Sacramento in there. Um, I feel like you know. if Quinn Snyder becomes available, he's going to be the top coach on everyone's list, I think. Oh, and, not Frank Vogel? Yeah, right, Frank Vogel. Which is funny. I kind of like Vogel. I, I, I don't know. I can never trust you know those coaches that go to L.A. or the super team stuff. Like who? Who is the coach of the? Who is the coach of that Lakers team with Kobe, Dwight, Powell, and like Steve Nash? Was that was that Dan Tony? Am Dan I crazy? Tony. It yeah. was right. Dan Tony. Dan Tony was recently on J. I. Uh, I'm a huge fan of JJ Redick. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I caught it. I caught it because you know I was looking into this coaching search and I was looking into Mike. They, D'Antoni, I think in the last month he was on that podcast mm-hmm. uh, and he was, he made a joke. He said, cause I think he just had like a knee surgery. Um, uh, cause they asked him like, why did you take that job in LA? He's like, well, I was under, in, under the influence of drugs. Cause I had just, just had knee surgery referring to, <laughs> to his uh, pain medication. <laughs> uh, it was funny. So, you know, big regret there, big kind of blotch on his resume that you could probably overlook honestly because i think you're right about those kind of super teams he was talking about how steve nash just wasn't the same player um dwight yeah, howard nash they, was couldn't like run, 38. they couldn't they couldn't run the pick and roll with dwight howard they mm-hmm. started switching uh kobe bryant to the primary ball handler and moved steve nash to becoming like a spot-up shooter and then his his career was just over um you know that was just a bad situation um, and then he, he, he couldn't even implement his offense. He just was like, I think I read a quote where he's just like, yeah, we're just going to do whatever the hell we want, basically. And that's that's our thing. It's just <laughs> not that's not what he said, but to that effect, you know. And then wasn't Mike Brown the coach of the Lakers? Yeah, he did a pretty well. He got fired. I think he was only coached a few games. He got fired before there was an interim. And then Mike D'Antoni got brought in. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and Mike Brown went to the playoffs guys. twice, I think. I think, he, but he didn't, I think he only went past the first round once. For the Lakers? Or are you talking about when he was coaching yeah, LeBron? For the, no, for the Lakers. He was pretty good in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, he was the coach of those LeBron teams. Yes. Yes. Of course. But, you know, a good player's coach. I mean, the thing about Mike Brown is he's, um, of course, good players coach good motivator um he's known as the mayor around the league because everybody likes him everybody respects him um but one of the things is there was a 
a story in the in the in the chronicle um about how he like takes so many notes on steve kerr and how much respect he has for steve kerr and all that stuff and how he's like i can only hope to be like steve kerr now i don't know that I, the way i made that sound makes it sound like he's got an obsession with steve kerr maybe a, a room with a shrine to steve kerr i don't know if that's true can't confirm that but you know that's a pretty good guy to idolize a pretty good guy to learn under for what like six seasons now um has it really he's got the, i think so brown's uh, been there six for six years, years? I think so. I think I have it right here. Um, yeah, for the last six seasons in my notes here. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he even coached a few games in the playoffs when, like, Steve Kerr had a bad back or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know? But then again, Luke Walton coached a lot of those Warriors teams. And, you know, I didn't yeah. translate. Right. Um, but, you know, Mike Brown does have the, the experience, you know. Um, and if he's taking more notes – under Steve Kerr that kind of boosts him beyond that player's coach, which Walton was as well. Um, and, you know, that could be, that could be good. Um, you know, yeah. but again, it's like all his success in Cleveland. You can attribute it to, to, um, to LeBron, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, having LeBron James, I mean like the only, like, like Eric Spolstra is a really good coach. Like, Eric Spolstra could have done stuff with Miami without LeBron when he, you know, was kind of starting out early on. Mm -hmm. you know, he's a good coach, but it's like Mike Brown. It's like you get you kind of get into those like motivators versus, you know, like executors. Those like those guys. I don't know. Like X's and O's, almost. Yeah, almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, I mean, you know, like, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, Kings love their Warriors assistant coaches. So, I mean, Atkinson and Brown, they, you know, they check that box. And Atkinson is another guy that's, you know, known for being, having good relationships with his, his players. Um, he was credited with changing the culture in Brooklyn. Steve Kerr said that about them, about him. Durant cited him as a reason for wanting to go there before he kind of had a falling out with um, DeAndre Jordan, who I think rumor has it kind of got the other superstars on that team to kind of want to part ways with Atkinson because um, he, he uh, Atkinson really liked Jared Allen. And, um, you know, that was the guy he kind of like developed almost as a coach because he came into the team with like, you know, they didn't have anything going for them in Brooklyn. You know, it was like, I guess after probably when they were, they did that like last ditch effort to get all these veterans, like at the very tail end of their career, you know, an yeah. injury from never playing again, you know, basically, yeah. uh, you know, the former Celtics team essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so he goes in there and they, they had wasted all their draft capital on that. So this team has no like anything going for them. And he goes in there and he, he gets them playing the right way. He's developing players and he sticks with his guys, you know, DeAndre, they bring in Deandre Jordan. This is the reason he had a, they, they kind of had a fallen out was because he's like, no, Jared Allen's my guy, you know, and Deandre Jordan wanted to start. And that kind of like started to sour, you know? So, um, I think Atkinson is, He's a lot of people's favorite. One of his, one of a lot of people's uh, top picks for this, 
and I see why. And you're talking about that Golden State connection. That's good too. Um, you know, I guess the only thing you could say is like, can he come in and 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 and, and win? I mean, it looks like he can. I mean, uh, you take away his first two seasons from Brooklyn, and you know, uh, when they were kind of getting things together, and it's like, you know, this guy, this guy was a, this guy's a good coach. You know, got them to the playoffs. Like I said, he changed everything. But it's almost like in 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 that aspect, you have to ask, well, is that what you really want? Because they kind of already have a foundation. They have this the culture kind of going. Um, maybe do you want to go? Um, and I'm not sure I agree with this. Maybe do you want to go with a guy that's, you know, going to go in there, maybe like Mike D'Antoni, you know, uh, that's where kind of there's a split there. And then there's also kind of the guys like, I don't know, like Terry Stotts is interesting. But at the end of the day with Terry Stotts, it's like, you know, he can maybe get this team to the playoffs, but it's like, what did he ever do in the playoffs? And he's another guy that his success can be linked a lot to Damian Lillard, you know, and I like Stotts and he's pretty well respected. Um, but he never really had a lot of great defensive years as a coach in, um, Portland. Um, and his playoff success, you know, like I said, not, not, um, not fantastic. And defensively, you know, just to be specific here, you know, they were always in the top half of the league offensively. But in his, uh, I think he was in Portland for uh, uh, eight years? No, nine years. They made the playoffs eight of those nine years. And only in two of those seasons he was there, they were a top half of the league, you know, defensive team. And so, you know, that's another thing to kind of keep in mind. Um, I don't know how you feel about Stotts. No, I I think you kind of hit it on the head with that. Like, Stotts is appealing. Like, Portland, right? Sacramento, two small market teams. But Yeah, I mean, you, you had Lillard. Um, and you, you do wonder how much of that success was from Lillard. And, you know, obviously a lot, but... Like, is Stotts still the same coach? Is Portland still close to the same team without Lillard? If you play, if you replace Lillard with Fox, right? Like, where's that team going? So I think that's, you know, kind of a point we're at. Um, so, yeah, like you said, not a very good defensive team Portland was under Stotts. And, and that's worth noting because the Kings, <laughs> that's something they need to improve drastically. And if they want to, you know, go somewhere into the playoffs at least their defense has to get better so definitely isn't a good sign that his defense isn't good i think the kings are not too bad you know they're pretty well off offensively but um yeah that defense is important and that's something they'll have to consider with stats so mm-hmm. i think those are the two uh the question marks when it comes to terry yeah and then steve clifford is another guy that's like if you don't really like Stotts, I don't know if, if you can make much of an argument for Clifford. Clifford's another guy that can, I feel like, get your team playing the right way. But, you know, in he he's he's only had like four playoff uh, appearances in his eight seasons as a head coach. He was a head coach in Charlotte for five years. Um, and he had two playoff years. I don't even think they were in consecutive seasons. Um, and then he had three seasons in Orlando where the first two, you know, he made the playoffs, didn't advance beyond the first round at any point in any, any point as a head coach in the playoffs. 
um, and then left Orlando after his third season when they didn't make the playoffs and they were going to start rebuilding. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, is known for getting his guys playing, um, you know, uh, defensively in the paint, containing the paint, um, you know, trying to just do the right things, prevent easy shots and um, limit uh, like their own mistakes. Um, so it's like, I don't really know. Again, it's like, I don't want to give the Kings too much credit for where they're at going into next season, but I don't think that they need that. And he's, again, he's never gotten past anything. If you are talking about the playoffs, he's never gotten past the first round. So if the Kings do get to the playoffs, you know, he's he's known for not really, he, he's like really, he's kind of known as an overthinking coach, I guess. I read somewhere. And um, I guess that kind of becomes a problem in the playoffs, you know. If you're not willing to make adjustments because you're so over prepared and you're so like into this plan, but playoffs, that's where the coaches shine because you have to make those adjustments. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of one of those things, uh, about him, but I don't know if people are like, they don't, I don't really think Clifford's really on the top of a lot of people's lists. He's just kind of a guy that's, he could very well, he's good enough to get a head co head coaching job in this league. Um, yeah, but, yeah, it's yeah. that's about it. Yeah, Cliff, Clifford is definitely he got of those names that were announced a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, he's definitely on the bottom of my excitement list and someone who I'd want to bring here, especially that track record in the playoffs. You know, I mean, he was coaching the Magic, who you know weren't that great, and even Charlotte. I mean, you know, they had Kimba and they had a couple of pieces for a second, but yeah, I mean compared to the other candidates out there and yeah i don't think clifford's at the top of many people's lists at the moment right and then i think the wild card is mark jackson although i'll tell you right now i don't think it's gonna happen because you know while we were just talking about mcnair having the reins yeah i wrote about it in an article recently um i think about the playoff drought um and uh, I mentioned the time when, you know, Laka was pretty open about not thinking highly of Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson kind of feuded with the front office at times. He was a strong personality, very popular with the players, very well respected, a calm coach. He instilled, he came into Golden State and instilled def uh, a defensive, you know, mentality and a foundation in them that translated in his second and third season. In his third and final season with Golden State, he had them like, it was one of the top defenses in the league, and you know, it, he was he was he was excellent on the court, you know, um, but yeah, he he kind of he had a strong personality in a certain sense. I mean, I remember he got in a feud with um, when Brian Scalabrini um, was uh, a uh, uh, assistant coach for Golden State. They were they they that ended pretty quickly, and I think Brian Scalabrini has a history of talking whenever he gets a good chance to, to throw a swipe at Mark Jackson, he will. Um, <laughs> so that's an interesting thing about Mark Jackson, but I mean, like, I think he's a guy that could get a job, but I just don't know. I mean, those things are all kind of like relevant um, for him. He, he, but in, in all the numbers in terms of that, I mean, he was a really good coach, you know, he yeah. was fantastic. And the playoffs, you know, they were they, he had a nine and ten record total, but he goes in there. He beats the he beats George Carl in the first round, 
um, in like six or seven, six or I think it was six games. Yeah, and then he loses to the he loses to the Spurs. They play pretty well against the Spurs, but they lose to the Spurs in the semifinals, uh, conference semifinals. And then the next season, he goes seven games against a really, really talented Clippers team that everybody had as one of the Western Conference teams that could go to the finals that year. They go yeah. seven games. You know, he, 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 you know, Draymond Green made his biggest progression, I think, as a player under Mark Jackson. And, um, you know, it was at the end of that series where it's like, if you watched every game in that series, you were like, man. The, the Warriors have some good players. They got some good things going on, but you know that character. I mean, the the clashing with kind of personalities and whatnot uh, kind of got in the way. And of course, you can't really argue with. You can't say. I mean, Steve Kerr. You re- get replaced by Steve Kerr. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, Steve Kerr would replace a lot of coaches and do a pretty good job. It seems he was gifted a great opportunity, as he says. But I mean, he's got a great background as a coach. You know. Um, connected to so many uh, good coaches and whatnot. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, the thing about Mark Jackson is I just think at the end of the day, it's just because of um, his history with the Warriors. I just don't know um, if that'll work as much. Um, you know. But I, yeah. I, I thought that would be a good one. And I almost feel like if you're going to be like – that's why I feel like Mike Brown as an option is like a Mark Jackson light. You know, because you're mm-hmm. like, ah, you know, you're getting that kind of like motivator, good guy. Um, players like him. I don't know. I mean, he's he he, uh, he had some pretty good defensive teams in Cleveland. Um, but I don't know if I would say he's probably going to be as good of a defensive coach as Mark Jackson was. Mark Jackson got the Warriors playing really well. And you can attribute a lot of that to them getting a um, rim protector at a time in the NBA where you needed a really good rim protector to win the NBA finals for the most part or get to the NBA Finals, because I think they play, we would always play a little smaller when they got you know, up against Cleveland. But getting there, the, you needed that rim protector for the most part. Throughout the season, you needed that rim protector. And Bogut was a terrific ad, made that defense so much better. Um, but Mark Jackson, obviously, it, it all starts with him. Um, but, you know, those, I mean, those are mostly the guys, I mean, at, at this point. Then, you know, I don't know if you had anything to say about Mark Jackson, though. Oh, yeah. Mark Jackson, I mean, you said it. He's a, he's the wild card for sure. It's kind of interesting that he hasn't had a head coaching gig since, you know, leaving Golden State, considering he really laid that groundwork for those really, you know, one of the best dynasties we've ever seen in Golden State. So, you know, you can contribute contribute a lot a lot of that success to him for sure. So it is kind of interesting why he hasn't got a head coaching job. Um, I don't even, I mean, has, I don't know if he's been looking or what, but no, that I think that raises LeBron. Some... LeBron says he wants Mark Jackson, but a lot of people are saying for the same reasons that we were kind of laying out here um, that might not work as well as well there. Yeah. 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 That's too, that'd be too, you know, but big. players want him. So, and he, I think he, he's, it was thrown around a little bit last off season. Um, I think I came across some things, but you know, rumors came out that he was uh, connected to the King search, but you know, at the end of the day, I really don't know about that one. Hey, if you can help our defense and, you know, 
try to i mean the, the you know the warriors suck too they were the warriors were terrible yeah. before they were awful and it, it's so hard to remember because the, the warriors have been the talk of the nba for the last feels like 10 years but not even that long yet i mean 10 years ago the warriors were awful they were worse than the kings for a moment and that's saying something. oh yeah and oh, so yeah yeah he took this team yeah they had some good draft picks but he developed them he instilled the defense he's a good coach and like, and like i said he laid down that groundwork that foundation to really set up the warriors dynasty so i mean getting mark jackson i don't think that'd be a bad move yeah he's a strong personality um i don't know if vivek would like that too much but as right. the dude can help us out the dude can help us out um i i think they i think honestly i think they should go after him i just don't think he's going to get picked i don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to end up getting the job but if they did i think that'd be a great move um, and that would also be, I think, just considering all the reasons that we are kind of laying out why they probably won't bring him in. Well, if they do bring him in, then that means I feel like that that's a real big change in how this front office, I mean, how this organization is operating, you know, if they can be like, okay, we can work with you, you know, but I don't know, you know, uh, it, I mean, honestly, now you think about it, it's like, if McNair is saying we want the coach to have his own identity, his own kind of like situation going on, he wants to have his own ideas. Um, that that's a, that could be a perfect environment for Jackson. So I mean, it could go either way. Um, I think it would work out pretty okay if they, you know, gave the opportunity for it. But I just, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if it happens. But it'd be a good it'd be a good move. Yeah, I, I don't think it would. I don't think it. You know. I think it could be a good move. I'm not saying anything's for sure, but like I said, he has a track record. Last time he was a head coach, he was doing a good job of it, you know, coaching those Warriors teams. It's been, shoot, what, about six years now since he's been a head coach, since Kerr took over. But, I mean, like, at the end of the day, if the guy can bring wins and McNair trusts him and he thinks he can fit well into his organization, you know, bring him in. I, I think Jackson could be great with, what he can do on defense and, you know, developing guys and making them like play like a team. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah, have eight, much eight, more eight years, eight years it, since he it was, was eight years. It's been eight years since he's 2014. Coached. Yeah. 13, 14, 14, 2000, the thir- 13, 14 season. Oh my God. So long ago. I, I remember watching that playoff yeah. series. I remember watching game seven warriors Clippers first round. Man, I mean, if he keeps going, uh, I, that would have been an interesting. I think, well, if they keep going, Kerr probably signs with the Knicks. Because they signed Kerr like the, the week after they lost. Mm. They swiped him up. Like they, they fl- I think Lakeup and Goober, or however the, 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 the guys are up in uh, Golden State, either flew him out to where they, need, they, where they were, or they flew out to where he was, and they stole him from the Knicks. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. But Interesting then, indeed. yeah, I was just going to say, well, talking about Mark Jackson, kind of a wild card coach. Um, what about Dan Tony? He, I, I kind of see him as a wild card too. I don't know if he would want to come to the Kings. I don't know if he's interested in being a head coach still. Cause he's been in, I mean, how long has he been away from the Rockets now? A year or two years? Two years. I think it's been two, two years. years. Let's see. I think he took a year off. 
And then I think he went to the Nets this year. With the Nets. Is he on the Nets? Was he on the Sixers? Maybe he was an assistant for the Sixers last year. Yeah, he was with the Sixers for a second, I think. Yeah, he followed Maury. Yeah. And, yeah, so he, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's been two seasons since he's coached, head coached. But, um, you know, I I think, you know, with D'Antoni, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you could really, you know, gosh. Because one of the things that McNair is talking about, one of the things Fox mentioned, um, this team needs shooting. It needs a little more length and some athleticism, you know. Yeah. And if you, especially that shooting thing, that's the main priority. You add that shooting, I mean, like, this this offense is going to be, you know, it's, it could be really, really good. D'Antoni doesn't really have a great track record as a defensive coach. But you have to think about, like, kind of like what you got defensively already right now um, that kind of has grown on its own. Not, and it's not like D'Antoni's going to come in and not allow that to do its own thing. He'll be able to have, you know, benefit from that probably. But it's like you think about the things that Davion Mitchell and Dante DiVincenzo um, and even the things that, that Sabonis has done to at least make this defense better than it was before he was here. Um, and then just the way everybody's kind of playing together a little, you know, a little more energy and everything like that. The defense was better, you know. Uh, you could say after the trade, obviously you it's it's, it's actually it, that's true. That's just that's just fact. But um, you know, uh, if, if you that, that that that's something you want to kind of just you want to go towards that offense. Um, he's a good option for that. Um, I think he would be you know better than I think if you're if you wanted to bring in Terry Stotts, I say you might as well bring in Mike D'Antoni. I think yeah. that's a better move. It, exactly. You, you get better offense. You get a proven winner in D'Antoni. You know, I mean, he made it. He coached those great Suns teams. He coached, I mean, not those great Knicks teams, but he got the Knicks to the playoffs with Melo, and it, he coached that Kobe team. But And then, of course, most recently, those great Rockets teams who, you know, they could have won a championship or two if the Warriors weren't hitting their peak at the same time. But, um yeah, I like what you said. If you're if you're gonna go for Stotts, you might as well for good. He might as well just hire Mike D'Antoni. He definitely proved it in Houston that he can run a potent offense, and you know, backing up what he was doing in Phoenix, you know, twenty years ago. So, yeah, yeah, dude, dude knows knows how to coach an offense. I'll say that he sure does. He's a creative guy offensively. Um, yeah. Then, of course, you can always, you know, and then you can kind of do this with Atkinson, but, of course, this is more for the Milwaukee assistants. You can take the approach, which is the opposite of D'Antoni and some of these guys. Uh, you can take the approach of a younger coach. Um, although, I guess, uh, Darvin Ham isn't that young because he's a former player. But, um, you know, uh, uh, Charles Lee, the other Milwaukee assistant, is a young guy. Um, you know, if you want to take that approach of a young coach to grow with these guys, because that's not a terrible thing. If we're talking about that foundation, I mean, if the Kings do indeed have a foundation, that's pretty, you know, if you could just build on it a little bit, a few pieces, a good draft pick, you know, that can't hurt, that can maybe contribute, um, or just some, some, some way to get good additions to this team. Um, 
with that foundation, you know, you have a good thing going next season. So a good young coach to grow with them, I could see now that's another good argument as to which route to take um, when it comes to head coach. And some of these guys, you know, they, they come from, you know, they were assistants all the way in Atlanta, as I said, and then up into Milwaukee, you know, up into a championship. And Budenholzer is an interesting coach, too. Um, pretty, you know, that's a, that's his systems are always, uh, he climbed, first of all, he climbed Atlanta, you know, up, he turned the, 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 them, them around. They turned, he turned them into one of the best teams in the Eastern conference at the time, but they always play good defense. You know, those Hawks teams, these, uh, Bucks teams, they're, they're, they're always up there defensively. And um, I guess one of the only knocks you could say on Budenholzer, and this probably doesn't have, any, have anything to do with um, the um, assistance, but you know, I guess he was almost, they were considering firing him before he won the championship because one of his problems was not succeeding in the playoffs for the same reason, for a similar reason, I guess, uh, that I was talking about with Steve Clifford, where his, he wasn't really big on making adjustments, which again is so big in the playoffs. But he you know, decided to make adjustments and they won a freaking championship. Um, you know, so, uh, at the end of the day, that's a, that's a good system to be coming from, you know, it's a championship yeah. system. And so if you want to, like I said, Darvin Ham isn't a young guy, I guess, but he, he's a, he's a new coach. So you're like growing together. That's not a terrible thing, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like a good balance between all of this, that's why I think Kenny Atkinson kind of falls near the top or at the top every time. I mean, I kind of look at these, this list as to what I think. I, I think maybe um, and that's unless Quinn Snyder becomes available and is all of a sudden talking to the Kings because then I feel like he's then the number one guy. But if you take Quinn Snyder out of it, who's available right now as um, the people we know? Because the Jazz could win, could win the championship for all we know. Who knows? I don't know. Um, um, you know, I think at the when it all comes down to, I think Kenny Atkinson's one of the more balanced picks. I think Mark Jackson would be good. I don't think it would happen. D'Antoni's not bad, um, but I just feel like, and then the 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 assistants aren't terrible. But like I said, you know, some of those other guys, I just feel like Mike Brown, Terry Stott, Steve Clifford. It's like, eh, is that the route you want to go? I I get the Golden State connection with Mike Brown, but you know. Yeah, it's like those recycled coaches, right? It's like, you know, Mike Brown went to the Eastern Conference Finals, but, you know, Brown and Clifford and who, who was the other one you just said? Stotts. St oh, yeah, right. I mean, so did, I mean, so did, um, sorry. Well, Mike yeah, Brown, Brown went, Brown got Mike, to, the Brown went to the finals. Sorry, he went to the finals. They were Eastern Conference champions, I mean, and Stotts brought the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals one season, but. It's like one of those points where it's like, all right, like we saw what you could do. You know, you can only do so much. Sometimes you want that fresh meat that, you know, Atkinson isn't necessarily new. He was a coach of those Nets teams, but it's like he he took that Nets teams to a playoffs. And it was, not you know, I don't think it was a team many expected to make the playoffs. They led by D'Angelo Russell, who's coming from L.A., kind of, you know, a number overall or number two overall pick kind of underperforming he gets shipped off and um yeah he, you know he I, I don't know if russell definitely revived his career there and 
he's been playing great ever since. But, um, yeah, I mean, you lead a team, that Nets team, before they got the big names in Durant and Kyrie and DeAndre, which, like you said, ultimately got him fired. He he did a lot with the team without the greatest talent. So that's definitely something intriguing to, uh, you know, to consider as well for this Kings team when hiring. Yeah. But do you agree if Snyder becomes available, is he your top pick? Yeah, you have to go for Snyder. Good defense. I mean, Jazz are been a proven team forever. It's a shame that they can't get over the hump. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's that's... almost like it's almost like a better version of just like this. Like when you look at Stotts on the outside with the Portland connection, it's like the Salt Lake City connection. That's another one of those kind of mid to small market teams. Um, you know, that that'd be just that would just that would just be great. And yeah. Good coach. I, I I always saw Snyder and Stotts kind of like I don't know like the same people I guess I feel like they became coaches around the same time maybe I'm crazy but no, I um, think you're not off yeah I think they became coaches of small market teams they did a lot with those teams Snyder you know currently still doing that um so I always kind of had them on the same level I think Snyder is the better coach. And he, I think these Jazz teams have been a lot better than Trailblazers teams as over the last couple of years. And, you know, maybe the Jazz have just had a couple more pieces than the Trailblazers have. But, um, no, I, I think Snyder's at the top of your list. And then it goes Atkinson. Be interesting to see, though, you know, if Snyder does come <laughs> to sack, if we could somehow get him before another team does. But he definitely, you know, and you have to trust McNair too. Maybe maybe he doesn't want Snyder. I don't know. I, I at the end of the yeah. day, I am putting my trust in McNair. I don't think he's done anything yet to doubt my trust. And I've said that a million times, but he's he's the guy in the front office. He's the one paid to do this. He's a smart guy. He got this position for a reason. I trust honestly, whatever what whoever McNair hires, that's just like something crazy, like really crazy, and it's like, oh, those Vivex pick. But I, I think Vivek's out of this. I think whoever McNair hires is who McNair truly thinks is the best pick for this team. And I think he'll be right. I, I trust McNair. And McNair we trust. I'm, I think I think he's going <laughs> to nail it. I really do. I think he's going to get the best guy available or that we can get. I do. And I won't be upset yeah, with McNair. anyone. If it's Steve Clifford, then I'll be like, you know what, McNair, he did his due diligence and he saw Clifford's the best fit. I just Clifford's got an idea. Clifford wants to do. Uh, he wants to place a bonus on the on one side of the floor the whole time. Yeah, four guys on defense. You know. Yeah, um, dude. Imagine. Okay, that's funny. Imagine, <laughs> like Vivek. He's not really meddling, but he's like, all right, I'm just gonna like sit in on these head coach talks. You know, it's like I'm the owner. Like I want to be there. I'm like sure. And they just, and the guy just starts like Steve Clifford, like you said. He just starts pitching like one guy cherry picking the whole time. And like you see, yeah. Vivek's eyebrows raise, and he's like, "All right, we're, like, All right, we're we're gonna stop this right here." And he's like talking, like, "Yeah, this is, this is our guy." Right? <laughs> yeah, I could just see, I see, I could see Clifford. He's like the last guy to get an interview. He's waiting in the waiting room. You know, like Atkinson comes out, Mark Jackson comes out, Mike D'Antoni comes out. He's getting nervous. He's like, "Man, I don't know if I can compete with these guys." You know, it's like, "What can I do?" And he's just like thinking about it. He's like, I got it. And that's his fucking <laughs> idea, you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea, Steve, if you're listening. You know, think about yeah. it. Maybe Vivek will be 
being there, I could just see it like, be like, money, man, you know, that guy. I know I said I wouldn't get involved here, but, you know, whew, you know, the temperature got turned up when he started talking about that, you know, cherry picker. It's, it's going to be that Nick Stauskas video all over again. Stauskas, Seriously. Right? Clifford, Stauskas, right? Yeah. Clifford. Yeah. Clifford. And he's just like, Clifford rocks. Yeah. <laughs> he said about Nick. He got him on the phone after they drafted him. He's like, okay, everybody's going to say oh, it yeah. on one or on three. Nick rocks. One, two, three. Nick rocks. It's just like, oh, man, where is the, where is the, oh, man, how do I get out of this? life oh my god that is so that's the oh my god it's like one of the cringiest videos out there you just see like all like all the people in the i guess the front office members whatever they are they're in the draft room they're like they're like yeah oh yeah stowski is sure like i'm trying to keep my job you know it's like he's pretty good yeah he is a good shooter you're right I think yeah. they made that video. They just made that video like, man, when we look back at this 10 years later and this guy's like the next, you know, Steph Curry. Oh, man, this is going to look so nice. And you look back and nope. Yeah. <laughs> this oh just looks, yeah, it really doesn't, has, it ages, as it ages, it gets worse, you know. Yeah. It's just such a cheesy video, too. It's just like, so really, cheesy. This is the idea of, this is the idea of like optics, good optics. It's just like it's, it looks so contrived and fake. You know, yeah, silly. Uh, yeah, but Steve, you know what? It's a new, we, it's a new, new, new freaking time in Sacramento. You heard it here first. Steve Clifford's the next coach of the Sacramento Kings. That's right. That's right. And Steve Clifford's team next season. You know, yeah. What? Uh, you know, the big red dogs. Um, That'd be a good nickname. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big red dogs because that's part of it. You know. He starts throwing things out there. That would probably be Vivek talking. Wait, I have a great idea. This would be such a good idea, you know? Let's, let's, gonna... let's, let's... Clifford's Red Dogs. Clifford's yeah. And we're just going to rebrand the team to Sacramento Red Dogs. Man. I and don't then they're going to get sued. They're going to get sued for uh, copyright infringement. Yes. <laughs> By PBS. And then Vivek loses the team and it all works out. Wow. Steve Clifford, not just Sacramento head coach, but Sacramento hero, all within yes. the span of two minutes. Thank goodness we stepped on that mine. Yes. Well, but you know, if if you know Clifford or whoever, you know, um, just because it's the end of the season, you know, um, uh, you know, we got a couple guys to just it, that we saw in this since the trade deadline um, that we can consider bringing back. Um, of course, just, you know, before we get into those guys, the DiVincenzo thing, um, as much as those reports are troubling for player relations with an organization, um, you can't really handle it any better than DiVincenzo has been handling it. And he seems pretty committed to Sacramento um, and what he said. Um, I think it was after the second to last game of the season. Um, so it'll look like, you know, there won't be any trouble there. They'll match any offer, it seems like, or whatever the deal is uh, with him. But, um, you know, other guys as well. Uh, anyone in particular that you uh, say, you know, that's uh, going to free agency or is not um, assured a spot um, or is not signed through or guaranteed next season? Anybody that uh, well, I, I have a feeling... 
of course. I mean, this this isn't King's Talk. It shouldn't be called the King's Talk podcast. It should be called the Damian Jones Fan Club podcast because you got to resign. You got to resign Jones. You got to do it, especially with everything going on with Holmes. I think he's gone regardless of whatever's happening. Um, I think he's gone next year. You're going to need a backup center. Jones has really showed that he can be a solid backup in this league. He has a great skill set for a true seven-footer. He's going to be cheap, too. So you, you got to bring Jones back, back up Sabonis. It's nice that he can, you know, he's showing that he can kind of stretch the floor a little, too. Oh, that's, yeah. You know, that's a, that's a big bonus. I'm not sure how well he can do it over the course of a full season. But, hey, Jones is full of surprises. And if he, I don't know, I, I you know, kind of like the Trey Lyles effect. You hit down one, you hit down one three, knock down one three. You know, you have to start respecting that three the whole game. So I think you have to bring back Jones. You have to bring back DiVincenzo, even though with everything going on, I'm glad to hear that he feels or he feels committed to Sacramento. So even with that report coming out, that his camp isn't happy. But yeah, and, and just to comment on that, just yeah. to comment on that, I wanted to. I hadn't thought about this until like a couple of days ago, but I was like, well, you know, the Kings said they were trying to make the plan. But like, were they? Like, were they I, really trying to make the plan? Like, because they I just they Justin Holiday. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know. Like, then maybe if it, even if it was for a minute, you know, Justin Holiday's not shooting well. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to try to write off the Kings. I, there's no doubt they would try to do this to make the contract cheaper. Um, but you know. I don't know, you know. No, I see what you're saying. At a certain point, they're just like, well, we'll just keep it. We'll just keep it the same. You know, it's not as if, as if they're actively doing it. I do think that they were doing it pretty intentionally. As to what degree they were doing it intentionally, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's a great. Uh, James Ham made a great point. It's like, what does that? You know, what does this? What does this lead to? What is this going to say? You know, all that. It's a good point. You know. Yeah, it is. But yeah. But uh, yeah, all looks like it'll be at least okay for next season. Um, going forward, we'll have to see. But um, uh, pretty good for now. We can almost like shelve that concern. But mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, there's also because yeah, Jones is great. And just on the shooting thing, uh, I want to say like his stroke. It, he's hit, I feel like he's getting some rhythm in it. I mean, there's like it's kind of an interesting little shot. But, um, you know, if he can just get to that point where it's like you can't leave him open or whatever the deal is, like, yeah. that's great, you know? And that's the thing with Lyles, you know, like you said. Um, Monty McNair had, you know, said he was, you know, Lyles was, you know, a great surprise. Um, he, he, you know, he's he's a big guy, like a power forward, but he shoots like a guard. Um it's just he's great, and um, Damian Jones can add that element, and of course his element of, in his own right, making the Kings' interior defense better. Um, such an athletic defender as we always talk about, and uh, can move around down there in the post and guard guys, and you know he gets two, three, four blocks in games all the time. Yeah, um, he's yeah he's he good just down keep there. going on and on. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. fantastic. And if you're his, you get him as a backup, like you said, for a good price, I mean that's perfect. And he's he's been with the team. You got that continuity. You, I feel like you have to, you have to at that point bring him back. Yeah, 
I, I agree. But, he, Jones needs to come back. But, um, you know, there's also um, Jeremy Lamb is the guy that's a free agent. And I don't know if you can necessarily say, I feel like with Lamb personally, I feel like he's a, he's a good player, a veteran, um, can do some things, can provide some things for your wing depth. But it's like, if you can go out and get better guys, you can go out and get better guys. But you don't want to write him off because he's also a good guy. He's not a, a good player. He's not a, he wouldn't be a bad addition to any team. Um, so it's like one of those things where I almost feel like we have to kind of just wait and see with them. But, you know, he's had some moments where he goes in there and he'll score. He'll go in there in a quarter off the bench and he'll hit a three or two and hit a few other shots, you know, and do some things. And he, he seems to do the right thing for the most part out on the floor. Um, and and I don't, there's not a whole ba- lot of bad stuff you could say about Jeremy Lamb, you know? Yeah, I, I've liked Lamb since he's come over to sack. Like, he's been solid, but... Two guys who are going to be free agents this year, and I'd be surprised if they came back to sack, would be Josh Jackson. It's always confusing because we had Justin Jackson, and they're in the same draft class. But Josh Jackson and um, Lamb, I I just don't see them coming back. They they didn't right. they didn't prove enough. Like Lamb was solid, but he's a guard, and you know we have a million of those. Josh Josh Jackson. I mean, he's barely got any play time for a reason. wasn't that impressive when he came in. Um, you know, and he's bounced around the league for a reason himself in his young career. So I don't see either of those guys coming back. If we brought back Lamb, I'm like, okay, like, whatever. It wouldn't be, like, big news. It wouldn't be a big deal. But I wouldn't be necessarily unhappy about it. I'm like, okay, Lamb, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's I feel like with I Lamb, see. you just – you. Yeah, you just don't really want him. I just feel like you're pretty comfortable if you're going to bring him back. He's not going to be like a major component of the rotation. No, he'll be like that. He'll be an what, option. Kind of like what you know? Lynn will be next year. Yeah, just kind of yeah. back of the bench. Come in when he's really needed. But mm-hmm. um, And, you know, I, I feel like uh, Jackson, I, 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 always, I always feel bad for Jackson because, you know, you can tell this guy's fighting for a place in the league. And he's he's trying to play hard, and he plays good defense. He'll hit some shots. He'll do some things, but it's just like his shot is just not good enough. He's not like really. He's not exceptionally great in any category. I don't, he's not going to probably be back with Sacramento. Wish the best for the guy. I was you know these these guys are people too. I guess. Um, despite you know, I mean, yeah, they are. I don't I shouldn't say I guess. But. <laughs> I was going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these people are they you know. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, you know, it, uh, that that didn't work out. He had some good moments defensively. Um, but you know, never was a three point shooter ever at any point for him, for his career and, uh, not much going there, but just kind of talking about that end of the bench, that option. Um, I always say it, if he's hitting his shots, he kind of fits the mold for what you want on this roster. Chemezi Metu. There's, I feel like he's he's pretty. It's, it's kind of split. I feel like people have pretty split opinions. I feel like my opinion is you're probably going to be okay with not, because I guess the money's not guaranteed going forward. Um, so they have an option to bring him in or not. And if I'm not wrong about that, um, and you know, it's an interesting conversation because if he does hit his shots, 
if he is providing um that like threat and in the last you know like few months of the season like you know i think he only he finished the year shooting like 29 percent from three but if you take out the first few months like he was shooting more like you know over he was shooting like close to 40 percent from three you know i think in in the last 15 games of the season if i'm not mistaken i was looking at that the other day and of course he doesn't have the track record of doing that for a full season but he made a lot of strides He's done a lot of things that I feel like in the last couple of months, especially since the trade, you know, kind of, kind of finding a way to put himself in the rotation of a new look team and finding a way to get playing time um, and having some really good moments, you know. Um, he definitely deserves a look, you know, because he, like I said, like if he's doing the right things, if he's hitting his shots as an athletic 6'9 power forward, that you can maybe pop in the corner or in the wing or whatever, like, or whatever you want to do. I mean, he's, you know, did I say athletic already? I mean, he's that too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that it's a good option. I, I, it's, it's one of those guys where you're like, if, if you're also talking about the continuity thing, it's not a terrible consideration. Although I see when people are like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, that's how I feel. Um, <laughs> Metu, mm-hmm. Metu's on the Kings because we don't have a power forward. Our power forwards are going into the season were Mo Harkless and Chemezi Metu. Right. And I mean, that's why that's why Metu has a place on the Kings because we don't have anyone else who can, you know, quote unquote, stretch the floor. I wouldn't necessarily call Chemezi a floor spacer considering he shot 29% from three this year. Yeah. You said he was shooting around forty percent to end the year, but again, that's that's a stretch. He's pretty inconsistent. Um, I mean, it's kind of like Mo Harkless. He was inconsistent. He was not. You know, he lost his role in the starting lineup for that reason, and that's why they stopped going to him. Because if you can't, once you once you're out there, and you're you know meant to stretch the floor, and you're not stretching the floor, then you, it just becomes a five on four at that point. They're going to ignore you, and they're not going to care if you shoot it or not because the odds are you're going to miss if you're on a cold streak, which Chemezi was most of the season. Um, if we get a power forward, because I think you bring back Lyles for sure. He's on the team option. If you get an, an eat, and let me add to that, Lyles has proven that he can stretch the floor for you. So if you get another power forward, um, I'd be surprised to see Chemezi back. He, right. he, he's just not needed. He's Lyles does everything better than he does. Maybe not the athleticism part. And Chimez, you know, he, he had, he'd come in, he'd bring some energy with those dunks. But other than that, his defense was all right. His, you know, inconsistent. Same with his shooting, same with his offense, just his overall play. And like I said, he's only on the team for one reason, and that was because the lack of power forward depth. Lyles definitely fills that gap a little, and I think the Kings will definitely, definitely have to address that position this offseason. So I'd be mm-hmm. surprised if, you know, if Chemezi does come back, he's not getting anywhere near the playing time he got this year. And I thought this year was already way too much. I uh, He's even started a handful of games, which, <laughs> I mean, unless you're tanking, great. But, I mean, if you're not... 
which and the Kings weren't trying to tank all year. You know, that's definitely an issue. So uh, I, I don't see Chemezi coming back, and I, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah, bringing him back would be a gamble. And again, it would be a situation where I don't think they would bring him back in a situation where he would be considered a starter or a backup or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, um, I think that that gamble is probably the best. Because if you could figure out a way to maybe, I feel like he'll get an option somewhere. He'll get a, he'll get an opportunity somewhere for that reason. Because I feel like you do have you have a potentially high ceiling. It's like a what like a low risk, high reward situation with him. But mm -hmm. you know, like I said, he did close out the season well. But you got to be able to do it. You know, like we were saying, you know, with anything, you know, you got to be able to, uh, you got to do it for a full season. Um, and he hasn't been able to do that yet. But you know, he'll. Uh, I, I I don't see him coming back to the Kings. You know, at the end of the day, and uh, but um, he'll probably get on with some probably untalented team next season, I would imagine. That's how I would see it. And um, Yeah, that's what I see too. Mm -hmm. But best to him. Hope he can find a you know a spot in the league. I just don't think yeah. it's Sacramento. He had some good good moments, Me Mezzi Mamba. Mezzi Mamba. And he had that game winner this year, you know, against. Yeah. Who was it against? The game in remember. Orlando recently. Yeah, he had a good game in Orlando, a great game in Orlando, really. So, he's had, a, I remember one, he had like a half where he, or maybe a quarter where I swear to God, he had like six dunks. And he just, it was like right around the Sabonis trade. But, um, yeah, those are his highlights. And I'm okay leaving it with that. <laughs> it's, it's not a big <laughs> Metu guy. I feel like Metu's a big fan favorite, and I get it, but, I mean... You have to be realistic, right? And Metu is right. he's not someone who's going to significantly significantly help this team out. So can't do mm -hmm. that, then I don't know. The huge gamble you bring him in. Simple as that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, mm -hmm. Which is kind of probably why he got so many starts at the beginning of the season or whatever the deal was. Uh, know, yeah, I mean, if he could... If he could hit his threes, then yeah, it's, we're having a different conversation. But he was one of the worst three-point shooters this season for as many attempts as he did when he played. And it's like, yeah, that's our stretch four. The guy shooting 29% from three. That's what's frustrated me a little. And it's not his fault. They, you know, they wanted him to do it. But at the end of the day, you got to hit those shots for your stretch four. He's undersized as a four, kind of. He's only like six nine, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Not the biggest Matthew fan, as other people may be. In yeah. Sacramento, I, I I feel like the best thing for him would to be not get an opportunity here because I feel like that'll be a nice motivation for him. Um, and wherever he goes, I do think that if he gets an opportunity to play, we'll, you'll be able to find out who the real Chimezi Matthew is because he's had some growth. But again, not enough for the Kings to put that gamble, make that gamble that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's about it for guys that are, you know, we have to consider mm -hmm. bringing back next season. But you know, 
the off season's long and there's a lot of opportunities to bring guys in and change this roster up in different ways. And uh, that's just the beginning. Yep. The beginning first week of a long off season and hopefully the Kings can make some moves to really bolster the roster. Cause I mean, again, said it a million times, they've created a solid foundation with Sabonis and Fox, uh, even Barnes and DiVincenzo, if you can bring him back, which it sounds like you will, but one or one or two pieces away. And this is a legit, legit playoff team. And they could be a playoff team right now under a full season with their current roster, but legit playoff team. And then, you know, solid coach. It's going to be a really fun off season. And I'm looking forward to covering it with you for, you know, the summer months. Absolutely. We're going to keep it, keep it, you know, everybody. And, you know, we're going to have some uh, good stuff here coming up. It's going to be a fun off season. It's going to be a fun off season. So, um, you have anything else? Just uh, make a T-shirt that says "In McNair We Trust" or whatever. In McNair, there you can say Mezzi Mamba. <laughs> Mezzi Mamba. Well, you know wherever he lands, I hope that uh, that becomes a thing. Mezzi Mamba needs to be a thing as well. Um, I like Mezzi Mamba. <laughs> I feel like he'd like it. Went to school at USC. I mean, I think he yeah. lived in LA. Yeah, you're um, right. Yeah, so many guys are from LA. So yeah, in McNair We Trust, though. Yep. I, that's a shirt I will have to make, and that is the words we're gonna end this with. So, or we can end it with Nick Rocks if you want to do a countdown. I'm okay with the countdown. No, 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 Clifford Rocks. Oh yeah, you want to do it? No, get out of here. Okay, well, <laughs> Kings fans, do it at home, folks. <laughs> Until next time, uh, this is Tony and John bringing you Kings Talk by Captain the Crown. Uh, have a good one.